0: able to bend light. He hunts
1: by seeing our heat. If it bleeds, we can kill it.
0: Now playing presents The Predator Retrospective Series. I've waited a lifetime for this and I'm not going to miss oh. the chance. Leading up to the release of Predators July 9th, Stuart, Arnie, and Brock will be watching and reviewing all of the Predator and Alien versus Predator films. What do you need us for? Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. These podcasts will be spoiler-filled and may contain objectionable language. Listener discretion is advised. Come
1: on. Do it. Do it!
0: We're talking about predators. Star, <laughs> Adrian Brody, Lawrence Fishburne, Topher Grace, Alice Braga, Danny Trejo, and directed by Nimrod Antal. Oh come on! You have to say the African guy's name.
2: He was very important. You have to let's just say his name. You
0: okay, can, I'll can. do it. It's Mustafa. What was his no, name? No, it's it's Mahal Shah Hazabaz Ali. Very My apologies good. to the Ali family. <laughs> 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 this is Brock, co-host of Now Playing.
2: Stewart in L.A. This is Arnie and guys we gotta get through this pretty quickly because it's five o'clock. It's bitch raping time.
0: <laughs> Man, I, I almost yeah. didn't make it to the podcast today because I fell out of this plane and my shoe didn't open. I'm like, Oh my god, what am I gonna do?
1: And yet here we are. I do feel Here's like it. I was dragged here without against my will. I do feel like I was put <laughs> to this and had I had my own volition would not be here now. But here we are, folks. We're at the end of the series, Predators. And again, I I remind you all, Predator was great, but it's been really choppy for me since then. I've really not enjoyed the last three movies. And I think we can all safely agree that Predators is many, many steps above what we have just gone through.
2: Hey, I agree. This is head and shoulders above any Predator film we've seen since the first one.
0: Right away, I want to say that this, to me, feels like a sequel to the first movie. And that's something we haven't had yet in the last three films.
1: Yes, it's the movie that they needed to make in
2: 1990. Agreed. And with the special effects right out of 1990.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll get there. Why don't we start first, though, with a plot summary, because I think we're going to need one on this one, Arnie.
2: Okay, it's a little bit detailed because a lot happens in this film, actually. Yes. Would you like it delivered in Adrian Brody-speak? (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> no, that won't get old. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> we start with Royce, a mercenary in free fall over a planet. His parachute opens and he meets up with a rogues gallery of heavily armed killers, including a Russian soldier, a Mexican cartel enforcer played by Danny Trejo. Yay. Woo! An IDF sniper, our token female, Alice Braga. A Yakuza assassin. A death row inmate named Stans. A RUF officer... And another guy who doesn't fit the profile of any of these, an American doctor played by Topher Grace. Playing Topher Grace. (laughs) (laughs) They slowly realize they're not on any Earth jungle, but rather an alien world where they've been taken to be imported game for the predator hunters. But these aren't the same predators we've seen before, but rather a bigger, even uglier and even tougher cast of predators. First, the humans are attacked by predator dogs, or hunting dogs, and they follow the dog's footprints back to the predator camp, where they see one of the classic predator aliens tied to a totem pole. Apparently, the new predators and the old predators have some kind of blood feud going on. So on the run, the humans are slowly picked off, and they encounter a U.S. Air Cavalry soldier, Noland, played by Larry Fishburne, who's been on the planet for 10 seasons, however long a season is. And he's been in hiding from the Predators and gone kind of nuts. He tries to kill the humans to steal their weapons and supplies. And so Royce causes an explosion, calling the Predators to their location. The Predators kill Larry Fishburne, because I think they only had him on set for two days. And then the humans kill two of the three Predators. Royce plans to release the captive classic Predator, thinking, where have I heard this line before? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. (laughs) And thinking that the released Predator would be so grateful that he'll taxi them off the planet. So they race back to the Predator camp. All the humans are killed except for Royce, Isabel, and Edwin. Edwin steps in a bear trap, maiming his leg. And Isabel stays behind to help him while Royce leaves them both as dead weight. Isabel and Edwin are captured by the Predator. And then Edwin reveals his true nature which I think everybody figured out much earlier. He's actually a creepy serial killer murderer, and he drugs Isabel so he can kill her slowly and goes off on his own insane rant about how he is one with the Predators, and they're the same. Royce returns, frees the classic Predator, the classic Predator and the new Uber Predator fight. The classic Predator is killed. Royce rescues Edwin and Isabel. Edwin tries to drug Royce. Royce impales edwin and then uses edwin as bait which we saw the predator do with danny trejo earlier in the movie the final surviving uber predator goes after edwin's body edwin's body is strapped to explosives edwin blows up the predator is hurt royce beheads the predator and then isabel and royce turn their eyes skyward to see another group of parachutes falling to the planet and royce says let's find a way off this fucking planet And if the box office merits it, to be continued?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's up in the air. But certainly we'll see what the box office does. And obviously money talks, right? So we'll see. Money talks like Adrian Brody. What money <laughs> talks like Christian Bale and Batman, where I stole this voice from. Yes. <laughs> um, so the good girl-
1: news is it doesn't really require
0: that much money. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I want to start right at the beginning. I just want to ask your opinion of this. Throwing him out of a plane him flying down, screaming in the hallway thing. I don't know about you two, but for me, I thought that was a clever way to literally, as he was, be thrown into this movie. It worked for me to throw me into this movie but I can see how it's kind of weird and cliche. Did it work for you right off the bat, or right off the bat was it a sour note?
1: You know, I thought this movie was fairly well written. Unlike the first Predator movie, you don't want to have the buildup be so slow that we're waiting to discover what we've known for 23 years. This movie was written for Predator fans. They know that you know the movie, so why not just throw you into it? Like the first movie where it's built around the design that these war people figure out they're not in a war movie, but they're in a science fiction movie. It's constructed in a similar way. These are war people, and they slowly figure out they're on another planet. I thought that's a
2: very good setup. While part of me wonders exactly what logistics the Predators went into to find these killers, and why the Predators insisted on ethnic diversity instead of just taking a squad of good mercenaries or a squad of Yakuza assassin. I liked it. It got us... Straight into the action. I actually feel the pacing of this movie was a bit off, but I was glad that, again, they didn't spend too much time getting to the planet. You know, the first one started with the Predator coming to Earth, and here we start with the humans going to this Predator world. It had some good symmetry, and, yeah, I don't think they needed to belabor the points anymore.
0: Yeah, what I was getting at also, and I'm glad you guys agree, is that they literally threw us into this, and then once we got in, and once— we saw that there's more than one person and all the start shooting comes on and they all start attacking each other because they don't know what's going on. We get invested in what's going on and then we meet each character as we go. So it's a good way to introduce us to all these characters, much like the first movie did it without any dialogue. This time they actually took the time a little bit to give us who these characters are and their confusion about where they are. We get to go on that journey with them until the reveal happens.
1: I disagree, Brock. I don't feel like we really know who these people are for a long time. In fact, names – are elusive for most of the movie.
2: In fact, Royce specifically doesn't say his name until, like, one of the last lines of the movie. These aren't characters for the most part. They're caricatures. They're archetypes. The the thing I come back to, and of course it's aided by the fact
1: that I know Robert Ricas' hand is guiding this, is that it's kind of like a Kill Bill setup, in which I feel like all of my favorite action stars are all combined in one movie. It really doesn't make any sense, but but because it's a fanboy thing and we really want it, won't it be fun?
0: I got enough of who these people were, and then as it went along, more and more things came about about who these people were that I got intrigued enough in these people. I'm not saying I it was invested deeply in every single one of these characters, not at all, but I got a little bit in this beginning, and as it went on, we learned more and more about them. I liked what I got for these characters. So when they started getting picked off, I knew who, which person was, which, what character they were supposed to be. No, they're not deep characters at, at all, but I thought the way they introduced them was sufficient and got me into what's going on.
1: Sufficient. That is a great word because that's exactly what I would say. And no more. It's, it's, <laughs> it's fine. It's competent. That's it. That's all it's I, adequate. I got. That's it. <laughs> it's adequate. This movie is a rousing amount of uh, mediocrity to me. It's completely fine.
2: But I wasn't thrilled. I completely agree. It was par, you know? Yeah. It was just enough. I think at times the movie makes the mistake of thinking we do care about these characters and want to see the Yakuza (laughs) silent hitman survive. I, I really do. Because, like, there's this long extended scene after, you know, going back to my summary, after they find the Predator camp and around the time they find Loris Fishburne, most of them are still alive. We had, I think, eight people when we start, and six of them are still here. Why are six of them
1: still here? I'm impressed by that because you're right. And, and I hadn't thought of it the way that you just framed it, Arnie, but it, I thought it was in, an impressive move not to make this a bloodbath because the last three movies have been very quick and offing people. And as soon as you know what their quirks are to get, just dispatch them in this way. And this movie is much more leisurely in that and, and, and takes its time. I wouldn't say it takes its time to let you get to know them, but it takes its time letting you observe them i never felt like i did care about any of them too much and maybe that's just a central flaw with brody we've already talked about his voice i'm just going to put it out there i think the man is a talented character actor who is consistently miscast as a leading man he is not a leading man he has never worked for me carrying a movie any movie he's ever been in other than the one he Penis. won the Oscar.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Uh,
1: I didn't really like that movie, but that's another podcast, I suppose. (laughs) But I thought, but I thought that he was very good in it, mostly because of the way he looked. All he had to do in that movie was observe horror and look horrified. He's got a real interesting face. You look at his face and he's got that. That's why I say character actor. But leading man, no. And the fact that he's literally trying to fill Arnold's shoes
2: in this is borderline ridiculous. Can I admit something a little bit embarrassing? This is the first time I've ever seen Adrian Brody act. I've never seen him in anything else. I guess he was a cameraman in Natural Born Killers. That would be the only other thing he's committed to celluloid
0: that I've seen. Did you see Summer of Sam? Nope. Mm. Yeah. And that he kind of works
1: in that because again, he's not the star of the movie. I've definitely seen right. some of the, some of the lead performances. I saw the Oscar winner and I saw the jacket. Which I mentioned in Shutter Island is sort of a variation on the, it's all in my mind. I'm crazy movies. A few others. He was the village idiot in the, and, well, M. Knight was the village idiot, but, uh, in the village, if you saw that movie, he was the killer retard. I just, yeah, I, it never works for me. And I, I just feel like it's unfortunate he won that Oscar because his salary is so high that they keep forcing him to be the star when he is he's a side
0: man. I realize I am in the minority. I am not saying he filled Arnold's shoes far from it, but I did not mind him that much in this movie. I really didn't. And I saw him <laughs> trying to fill in for Arnold, especially later on with the mud and all that. They had the shot of him in the mud. Yeah, and what I is that about? I know, you didn't really need
1: that. And, like, he's got his shirt off, and I'm like, yeah, you haven't uh, been eating in a while. That's good. (laughs) You you look like you lost some weight, and I didn't think that was possible. You're really cut, dude. You're not buff, but you're cut. Yeah, (laughs) all
0: right. But I didn't mind him as much as I'm sure a lot of other people did because – I mean, how can you not compare him to Arnold? I don't have that huge, deep connection to the first movie that a lot of other people do. Here's
2: the thing, though. You say comparing him to Arnold. I, being the Predator fan, read all these interviews with all the makers of the film, Rodriguez and Nimrod and everybody. And I see now, in retrospect, what they were trying to do with Danny Glover and what they tried to do here. You can't out Arnold Arnold. So you go for a different type. In Predator 2, they went for old. Here, they're going for (laughs) (laughs) live. Poor Danny Glover. He deserves better than how we remember him.
1: But he also deserves it because that movie was awful.
2: So they're trying to go a different way. He's not the Arnold character or anything like that. He's not trying to be... The guy with the eight-inch Python biceps. No, they're going for a different type of killer. Really, I saw him as a Han Solo type. In fact, I read a lot of Star Wars fiction, and there were so many times when Adrian Brody knew things, and it's like, this is like Han Solo put in here. Well, he's from this smuggler gang and he's from this outer rim gang. And he, you know, Adrian Brody's just sitting there espousing who everybody is because he's the guy who with the street smarts and the I'm out for myself and I'm going to leave you all behind. And in fact, he was such a jerky character several times in this movie. I wondered if he was going to die. I really thought that at the end, because he was such a son of a bitch, that he would die and it would be Isabella who would actually be the quote unquote hero of the movie. Because she was kind of, you know, right up there with Brody as far as lines of dialogue. It was the three who survive had the three most talky parts. Topher Grace, who the whole time I'm like, he's smarmy. Isabella, who I wondered if she would prove out to be the hero at the end, in a twist, and Adrian Brody, who eventually did the Han Solo and came back at the very end after everybody thought he left. He was such an anti-hero;
1: he was almost not the hero, and it like it doesn't help the fact that he's supposed to be a badass, and I'm not buying that. I agree with you, Brock. You're good. no fight for me. I think he's adequate. I think if that's deemed a success, then okay, he is. And we've seen the lows. He's much better than the characters in the last three movies. I will follow him and believe his journey much more than I would the chick that was ice climbing while talking on her phone. I can't even remember that movie. <laughs> well, it will never be brought up again, but you know what I'm referring to. But I don't know that adequate is arousing rousing endorsement. It was fine. Okay. I feel like if you really wanted to engage us more – a more likable lead would have helped.
2: I also feel like in this group of disparate mercenaries who start the movie fighting each other, they all fall under rank and file to him pretty quickly. He's quickly made the leader of the group. This is supposed to be a group of alphas, and they're all kind of like, yeah, we'll do whatever Adrian Brody says. Go to the Predator camp? All right, we'll go to the Predator camp. Honestly, out of all these people, the only ones whose faces I recognize were not counting Larry Fishburne, Danny Trejo and Topher Grace. Topher Grace isn't even trying to be a badass in this film. I kind of wish that they would have left somebody around to kind of compete with Adrian Brody for that role, a face, a name. Trejo was off early. I guess he had to go work on Machete. And I kind of wish there would just been a secondary person fighting for that lead a little bit to give us a little bit more internal fighting in this group. That would have made it more interesting to me.
1: Your instincts are totally right. They needed that. And more to the point, it would have been a parallel to what was going on with the predators, because one of the only new things we learn about the predators is that there's two of them and that the bigger one picks on the little one. I didn't get that. And I wanted to get that. And I feel like that was something that needed to be explained. And had we seen that play out also in the humans, that this is what happens when uh, various groups get together the infighting I think that theme would have been stronger I totally agree with you I didn't find anybody in here necessarily more than adequate in their
2: roles I didn't believe anybody was really lethal in addition to that I think that with the two types of Predators, you know, I know that Robert Rodriguez is like, this is a sequel to Predator and we're going to ignore completely Alien versus Predator. But the fact that there were two different Predators, the fact that Adrian Brody decides that he's going to team up with the Predator captive to go up against the worst Predator, and the fact that he even says the line, the enemy of my enemy is my friend is like, okay, instead of Alien versus Predator, it's worst Predator versus Predator. (laughs) I mean, there were some parallels there.
0: When we first ran into the original Predator on the post, I didn't get it. When they called it out, I was like, oh, it wasn't entirely clear. But then it it also hit me right then when it finally was made clear. Like, this is Jurassic Park 3 again. This is a typical sequel thing that you have the T-Rex get beaten by the bigger dinosaur. So this is the same thing. The Predator is a badass in the first movie. There's even a worse Predator that we have to defeat this time. Point is that you have the bigger, badder Predator, which... You know, that's fine. I didn't mind it so much. Would it, could it have helped it being clearer? Sure. Do, do I needed more infighting? I think the girl could have stood up to him more, but maybe another person like a Carl Weathers could have come in there and, and done the job better. I don't know.
1: Well, their fight was different. It wasn't about who's going to lead this group. It right. was, are we going to be moralistic or are we going to be self-interested? And like, you know, Adrian Brody represents, well, you guys can do what you want. I'm going off on my own and I'm going to survive. And she was always the one, you know, helping Topher Grace or pulling the people together. She was being nurturing, you know, and Mm -hmm. I felt like what Arnie, what you were saying, what I was hearing you say that I agree with is there needed to be another alpha dog. There needed to be another guy that said, you're not going to tell us what to do. If there had been actual physical violence in between the people that would have upped the stakes a little bit.
2: Yeah, they don't get to that until the Topher Grace thing way too late in the movie.
1: Yeah, I never believed that Adrian Brody was going to take a swing at Alice Braga or vice versa.
0: (laughs) I know. Did you guys like... Any of the characters at all? Did you guys like the character types that they brought in together? What I liked about the group of people they had there is they had the gangster, they had the Russian guy, all these different kinds of types of people, all different kinds of predators, quote unquote. But I liked the idea of it, uh, different kinds of people, especially like the guy in the suit who had the handgun. I liked that a lot. I thought that was a fun thing to have in the middle of a Predator movie. Well, I
1: think conceptually it works. Execution, meh. Part of it may be the casting None of these people drew me to them. Here's the thing I have not been able to reconcile. I don't know whether I was not drawn to these characters because the actors weren't giving us anything about them or whether the director wasn't really paying attention to them. I didn't get the sense. And I give the movie credit for not just treating them as predator father. They're more than that. We spend more time with them that, but the more time does not equal more compassion for them. I think the only person that engenders goodwill is the total asshole that you want to get killed. The FBI most wanted guy who makes off color remarks that are so, so in poor taste that it's funny I feel like he gets the audience over we laugh we're engaged when he's on the screen everyone else is just kind of meh they're just sort of like this is the outfit I would be wearing if I was in my place and these are the weapons I would be carrying and that's that's all you're gonna get
2: and really yeah they were all defined by their weapons they were types they weren't characters and even when they try to get a moment like these are my kids and I lost these fingers because I talk too much It was just so flat, and it just felt so obligatory. Yeah. The Yakuza
1: one in particular, I really like the idea conceptually, but really in his final battle, I realized that it wasn't working at all. When he has a samurai showdown with a predator, I just, I'm like, eh, you shouldn't have had this guy, because this doesn't work for me at all. They're in the middle of a field swinging swords, and that just, I'm not buying it.
2: Well, it was a pretty sword fight, but no.
1: But yeah, I mean, you can talk about it, but I—I I mean, there's nothing to say. It, it was inappropriate.
2: Yeah, I—I I, I guess I kind of went with it. It was—it had the same problem as the first one, where I didn't understand why the predator stripped off all his gear to fist fight Arnold. <laughs> I didn't understand why the predator decided, all right, a sword fight—that sounds fun, but.
0: because the whole reason of bringing these guys there is because they are qualified to give them a good fight. So this guy standing there with a sword, the predator's like, oh, a sword fight. All right, then let's do it. (laughs) That's what I got from that. And, you know, it's like a duel at 10 paces kind of thing, like old fashioned throwback. It's been a while since I've had a chance to do this. Let's throw down. I
2: I do agree that, you know, I didn't understand why. Somebody would be shooting with a pistol, a sniper rifle, I get, but once you got somebody there with a freaking Gatlin gun, a pistol's kind of redundant at that point. (laughs) And they do make,
1: like I said, Stan's the character that's kind of the the funny one here. Makes a a big point about the fact that he's only got a knife and everyone else has a gun, and and why can't he have a gun? I mean that 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 was played well, and I think that character works well here for what he's designed to do. You don't like him, and and you know he's going to go down, and want him to go down. But I think he's the only time that I felt engaged with the characters was when he was playing off of them. Everyone else is just kind of
2: dull. He didn't get enough screen time because I was remember thinking that when he started telling some of his jokes in Fishburne's camp later on. He's like, if I get out of here, I'm going to do a lot of blow. You know, I, I just thought that was really funny. But this movie was humorless. It really was so dour that by the time we got to those jokes, I'm like, they feel out of place for the tone that's been set. I would have preferred him and Topher Grace to kind of spread it out a little bit, because when they start doing their riffing, it just kind of jarred me.
0: I actually enjoyed Topher Grace's timing. I haven't seen Topher Grace in a while, and so his joke timing, I thought, when it was there, I had some good laughs with Topher. I completely agree with you about the prison inmate. I also love that when he was threatened, he would shank like nobody's business, like a, like a rabid monkey, man. He's just going at these things with that little knife. And that scene when he's asked for a gun, I completely agree. It was very humorful. But I think what's missing maybe is the one-liners that we all love from the first movie. But how are you going to duplicate that? You know, you can't create a one-liner like that on purpose. Sure, sure you
1: can. I mean, yeah, you get good joke writers and and you come up with something. But again, this is what I can't reconcile. Is it that the way that the jokes are told are not funny or is it the fact that it's not a particularly funny situation or, or funny implementation of, the, of this attitude. I won't even call them jokes. Everyone's got attitude. And mm-hmm. I think we're meant to laugh along with that. But that's kind of shorthand for what this movie should be really doing. This movie should be really entertaining us. And instead it's just sort of emulating what an entertaining movie would do.
0: Arnie, you've mentioned in the past that we don't get to it quick enough. I looked at my watch. I was around 20, 25 minutes when we first got the predator vision. Were you bothered by that this time, or did you think this time it was okay because we already knew the Predators, who they were, etc.?
2: I liked some of the slow build. I liked how we started with the alien dogs, and then we've got this other alien creature, which I, I skipped in the summary, but at one point, they sent Topher Grace out as bait, which was a very funny scene, and he's just <laughs> sprinting, and he's being chased by what they think is the Predator. It turns out it's just some other alien creature that also was brought to the planet as hunting material... But I do think that they spent a little bit too long with the, that's a weird plant. The terrain is wrong. It's too humid for this time of year. They should have had the reveal where they look up in the sky and see the planets first and realize, okay, we're not on Earth. Let's move on with it. I I do think that, again, everybody kind of knows where they are. They should have done what they spent a half an hour doing in 15 minutes. I disagree. I think it's true to
1: Predators to do that slow build, that Predators took – 20 minutes to get to the communist based in Central America and this movie takes m- more or less the same amount of time for them to figure out what's going. They don't linger once they figure it out they pre- they process that pretty quick. There's one shot of them looking horrified up at the many moons in the sky and then the next minute they're all like well we've been brought here. Like the original movie they kind of pull it out of thin air what the whole point is and, and put it together for those that maybe don't know Predator or just haven't caught up yet. But I think the pacing is right in that it honors Predator. The The reason why it feels slack is I'm not engaged the way I was with the first team. These people aren't. Yeah, it isn't interesting. And again, is it the actors? Is it the writers? Is it that I've seen too many movies like this in
2: the 23 years since Predator? I would say yes to all of them. The actors aren't great. The writers didn't try, and. We've seen it all before.
0: I have to cut in here. I, I agree with Stuart. I like the reveal. I like the time they took. But I think this is some of the better acting we've seen in in this entire series. Since the first movie, <laughs> I really do. And you're I going on a limb
1: there, Brock. It, I really is It is better than those
0: 33 anonymous people in the last movie. These actors came and they did the best they could of what they had. I, I, I have a feeling that you're all going to say, well, we've heard that before, Brock. But no, this is absolutely true. These actors... Took what they had and did exactly what they best they could with it, and yeah, these characters. Did they bring unwritten-
1: more though? Because you know what the difference sometimes there's a lot of good actors that are given man parts and they make it their own, and yes. I didn't see anybody figure out how to keep the audience's attention on them other than stands stands is the only one that i think understood that he needed to do what he did and everyone else is just kind of wearing the outfit it's like
2: okay i went to costume i put it on this is me part of the problem is i love multinational casts a lot of this movie reminded me of lost by the way first of all it was filmed in hawaii like lost is so it had the same jungle and second of all it's a multi-ethnic cast who crash on an island and don't know each other and have to learn to work together against an unknown enemy. I mean, it was very lost to me. I'm a big lost fan. But I also think in this case, the multi-ethnic thing, it while I understand you're, first of all, going for a global audience. So putting yes. in all these people helps identify a certain audience. It's first of all, marketing. And second of all, it's politically correct to have diversity and all that. But you got a lot of people who their first language is into English, and they don't speak it very well, and so they don't have a whole lot of lines. Who knows how much was delivered poorly and left on the cutting room floor? I, I think perhaps the worst case of this was the Russian guy, where he had a thick accent, and he, he looks the part. But when he was speaking beyond a Russian accent, which really in the 80s, you didn't need anything else but a Russian accent to act. But now it's kind of like he's just a big burly guy, but not a good accent.
1: Okay, well, let me introduce. Right now, we've all been agreeing about stuff, but let me introduce some controversy. Why do you guys like Danny Trejo? He's
0: terrible. He just makes me happy. Why? He's
1: (laughs) terrible in this movie. He was terrible in Halloween, and now he's terrible in this. I was so glad when he got killed, because I'm just like, thank God I don't have to listen to his bad line deliveries anymore.
0: Oh, really? Because I was like, oh, he got killed so quickly this time. He always dies, Stuart. Hey, I
2: like it. (laughs) But it's it's it's, He did not die in the bubble boy.
0: Oh, oh, you didn't? I didn't see that one. Okay. (laughs) But he most of the time, he dies in these kinds of movies. And it's not about if Danny Trejo is going to die. It's about how. And with with Danny Trejo, you see him, you smile. He's just this guy that is just a familiar, happy presence in a movie – and is he the girl's greatest actor Stuart? no this guy's not up for oscars he's just a wonderful character guy that i love watching these kinds of movies maybe aren't It's like to- cuz
1: he's <laughs> lucky he's like ringo Starr. he's like how did this guy get here like how did he <laughs> wind up with this job because i do like his hard luck story i do know that he was an actual convicted felon and has had a hard time and the fact that he's ended up being a hollywood bit player is is a nice backstory but like he's not even a stuntman right like he's not even doing incredible stunts like if he could do something physical i could be like okay well that's cool at least i don't need for him to be a great line deliverer i just think that he's dead on screen i don't think he does
2: anything i think he brings an attitude that i like it's a sense of cool this guy is a badass and yet he doesn't have to work to be a badass. He can, you know, sit back and drink a tequila and laugh and then fuck you up.
0: Yeah. He reminds me a little bit of Charles Bronson, although Charles Bronson had more presence. He has a yeah. Charles Bronson vibe to me.
1: I agree with you. I did think of Bronson a couple of times.
0: I did like the Asian guy, the gangster, because he didn't speak much, but you knew exactly who this guy was the entire time. Now, that's because he stared very well with that grimace and he had that gun point the way he was holding the gun. But that actor embodied that role, which was completely underwritten because all he was was a guy in a suit. You know what I mean? Until he spoke later on in the movie with the sword. Once he started talking, once he got the sword, I was less interested in that guy. Up until that point, I did like him. You know
1: what I like about him is that because he is in a suit in the jungle, he really stands out and he even takes off his shoes, I think, to protect his shoes or something. I'm not exactly (laughs) sure why he takes off his shoes, but there is a nice quality about him that he doesn't fit in that he doesn't belong. The problem is I didn't get from any of the other characters that they were fitting in. You know, that, I guess that's what it was. I felt like everybody felt like they were off. The character that Topher Grace plays is the same deal. You're supposed to wonder why is he here for so long? And they try to lead you down the path that he is the innocent person brought there to hold them back and to pull their heartstrings so that it endangers these tough guys.
2: Well, I knew. You guys knew, right? I knew this before going in. I'm like, Topher Grace, he must be the Hannibal Lecter type mm mm-hmm. oh. yeah right, yeah, that I
1: didn't know exactly what it was, and I still don't know exactly what it was that he did. I mean it, it when you
2: finally find out it's really late in the movie, really late in the movie, too late, I would argue I, I I put in my notes i I took notes in the theater, and I said we were maybe fifteen minutes from the end of the movie, and I'm like, if they go through this whole movie and there's topher Grace does nothing, I'm gonna
0: <laughs> be pissed, yeah, but yeah. Arnie, uh I agree with you, but the time he chose to show his true colors was head-scratching bonkers to me he's still in danger on this planet yeah and adrian will brody the
1: whole time like what was it that he wanted to do if adrian brody had not come back what was he going to do was he going to rape her well he already gave the indication from talking to the other guy that that wasn't his mo
2: no i think he was going to kill her slowly and enjoy her pain but she was paralyzed so she wouldn't feel any pain no he she would feel everything he said she would be aware and feel everything I thought he
1: said see everything. I'm like, well, if she's out of her body, what? who the hell? I mean, that, that t- okay, that makes a lot more sense to me. All right, thanks for clearing that up.
0: Well, either way, Stuart, it's still torture, right? Because she yeah. can see her. She'll know who killed her.
1: Yeah, would you? <laughs> Oof. I would rather be dismembered and watch it happen from a distance drug state than I would be to feel every uh, snip, is okay. my point.
0: But the- my point is the predator is still there, and they're on a planet, and he knows that Season after season, new predators come. What on earth is he thinking to kill her at that time? I'm going to give this movie
2: far more credit and tell you the way that I retcon this in my head. And that is if he killed her, the predator would see that and go, you're a hunter, too. Let's hang out. (laughs)
1: I guess my sense is that I I thought he thought he would live to see more people come down and that he would be like he was going to be here for a lot of seasons and that people would come and go. But because he was so unassuming Mm -hmm. that he would be the one to survive, the least likely to live in an environment of ultra predators is the guy who looks like he's helpless, but really is a cold blooded
0: killer. Stewart. He's in a predator hole. The predator threw him and the girl into the hole to deal with them later. He's still in the predator's trap. Why would he do it then? If he was going to do all that stuff, fine. Go to some spaceship like Lawrence Fishburne did, hole up in a cave or something. Why would he do it right there in that big pit when the predator's still up on top?
1: Because it's That's, the climax of the movie and it's time to show the reveal. I mean, yes, you know, it's exactly. I, I, they're doing it because it's time to do it, not because it's logically what would happen in that moment. You're, you know, if you want me to, to defend it, I can't. I know why they wanted to do it and I know why it's happening now to give us yes. a surprise. But yes. no, it doesn't really work. And I don't know. Topher is adequate in this, but he, I, I didn't quite
2: buy the whole concept. Topher doesn't work as a villain. Spider-Man 3, here. Stop trying to make Topher Grace anything other than the adorable schmo.
1: Well, you know, it's like it would be like watching Tom Hanks say, I'm a serial killer. You know, that's what it comes off to me. He's mild mannered. He's likable. He's a funny guy. Like when that happens, I remember there was some horrible movie and Alan Alda has spent a lot of part of his later half of his career trying to not be the nice guy. And there was one movie called Whispers in the Dark. Please don't ever look it up or even know anything about it. Just all you need to know is this. The big reveal at the end is that Alan Alda is the serial butcher of women. And, you know... it it just conceptually that fails right the nice sweet guy that's really the killer harrison ford tried it too in that movie terribly failed like the only times that i think it's ever worked is psycho and that's you knew going in that he was psycho. the movie's called psycho and he's on the poster you know he's crazy but it never works when you switcheroo when you tell us that they're the nice person and it ends up being that they're the killer it just always feels so labored and and movie-ish and
2: Well, can I tell you what they could have done to really make it work a little more for me is foreshadow it a little bit and have one of the humans die mysteriously. Let mm -hmm. Topher be such a psycho motherfucker that he does kill someone. Maybe, you know, even go further and have more than one token female and have Topher Grace kill her because I can't see him overpowering anybody else on this team. But, you know, I think that having something to foreshadow or a little bit of fear and mystery as to what happened to this person was it one of the predators what happened you know and and part of the problem is we don't know what his mo was
1: on on the planet was he one of those doctors that kills his patients and no one ever knows they think it's natural causes or does he actually go out and abduct people and take them to his basement and do this to them i there's not enough time to really know what it is
0: he's about i wish they did it a different way because as soon as that happened i'm like uh yeah, it didn't feel right. Even though it had to happen, he obviously had to have that sort of thing, the way they did it in the movie just didn't work for me. I have a question about the guy who was fighting with the prisoner, the big man. He was was he his captor was he the guy transporting him someplace the african man he was actually african i just
2: kind of got the impression they were crashed down and their ins- instinct was fight they just wanted
1: to continue to repeat the idea that stands couldn't get along with anybody and that one was one, one of the more labored attempts it did the, the movie tries to start by giving everyone um an introduction where they're already in the middle of it. You know what I mean? And that's what that was. They're already
0: fighting and we don't even know who they are. When Stan does eventually die, he doesn't die trying to save somebody else or sacrifice himself for the good of the team, which I thought was also a good thing. From point A to point B until he dies, he's the most consistent of them all. The ace up his sleeve is that
1: he knows that when he gets shot for his... Her heroism—he's not really going to die because he stole the armor. Right. I, I thought that was funny. I don't know why he let that be known. You know what I mean? Like I don't know why he didn't play possum and pretend to be dead and live to be killed another season.
0: Season? Do they mean like two weeks? Do they mean a year? Do they mean because if Larry Fishburne's been there for ten seasons, he's um he's doing pretty fine for himself there. It's amazing he could survive for ten years. I'm thinking because we saw. The, how long were they there? Was it like, because we saw the parachutes at the end of the movie. They were there yes. a couple of days at most.
2: He he didn't just survive for 10 seasons. He ate well for 10
0: seasons. Yes. Well, uh, I, I don't I, want to be mean about it. I just, yeah.
1: I think we can be mean. Larry Fishburne is the worst thing about this movie, I think. Maybe you enjoy watching him because the character's crazy. And I know why it's Larry Fishburne and no other actor in this role. But he's kind of terrible here.
2: He really is terrible here, and he tries. I got to give him credit for trying, but my God, this man was so miscast. I think they could have done so much better by having somebody else play it, and I know they wanted the name. Steve Buscemi. Buscemi would have worked, but you don't feel like Buscemi would have been taken to that planet except in the Topher Grace kind of way.
0: No, 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 no. Steve Buscemi emanates. Creepy. Yes, yes in the really, toe like, for Grace, I'm a murderer
2: way, but not a badass way. Have you seen Reservoir Dogs? Many times, and he's the slimiest one there, but he's not the one who you're afraid to punch. Yeah, he's a weasel. He's not a
1: dog in that movie. Yeah. You guys yeah. are missing it. You guys are missing why Larry Fishburne is here. And he even tips you off musically in this. Apocalypse Now. They are doing another homage to Apocalypse Now. Larry Fishburne was it. That was his first movie. He was a teenager when he was in it. And here he gets to play the Brando role. If you don't know Apocalypse Now, you got to go see it. It may be my absolute favorite war movie of all time. And essentially it's a story of uh Martin Sheen is a burned-out Vietnam soldier hired to go kill another American soldier that's gone AWOL. That person is Brando. And when he finally gets there, Brando is bug nuts, talking to himself. Uh, d- enormous as how fat, all of that. It's exactly what Fishburne is doing, and it's exactly why it's him and nobody else. That's why he's here. He is here to give this apocalypse now credence, and he even sings... Ride of the Valkyries, which is probably the best sequence in that whole film is when they do the Ride of Valkyries scene.
2: So did he go to Dunkin' Donuts a few times to emulate Marlon Brando? Yes, I do think that's central because if you have
1: a character that's been living off the land, you don't imagine them to be obese, but that's exactly how Brando played it in Apocalypse Now and it's what they're doing here. And it's a goofy character. I gotta talk about the MO though, because here's the twist on him is that he's actually drawn all of them there to kill them, correct? He wants their stuff, he wants their weapons, and that's what he wants, or at least one of his multiple personalities, that's what he wants, because we're never quite sure who's him and who's the other guy that he's talking to in the thin air. If you wanted to kill somebody, and admittedly, you have to be rational approaching it from a logical standpoint, he's not. Why would you try to smoke them out, like, he, he was giving them water. Why not poison them? Why not? There were so many ways to take out this team. Why not drug them and then stab them all? I don't, it just felt like it was going to take a long time for them to die of smoke inhalation in that well ventilated
2: spaceship. I took it as it wasn't planned. He wasn't sure what he was going to do with them. And then you know, in his crazy way, one of the personalities is like, take their shit. Yes, yeah, exactly how I took it. But I'm like,
1: that's the only way it does make any kind of sense. Because even lighting the fire is telegraphing to the predators that are roaming around that there's activity over there. I mean, he's essentially giving himself up. Adrian Brody fires off a a grenade that's meant to draw them there, but he wouldn't even need to. I mean, fire at night would bring the predators to where they're at. I don't know why the Predators wouldn't think he was at the burned-out ship to begin with. I guess they don't even know that he exists.
0: The noise, I thought, was why Adrian Brody used it. Besides the explosion, the noise, because the fire is silent, which is why I think Larry Fishburne's other character said, "Smoke them out." As far as the, you know, why why wouldn't they check the ship out? You know, I don't know because we don't have to something- go there. We don't have to go yeah. there. It's a whole. Here, here's yeah. the thing:
2: you got to think that these three predators, since these predators always hunt in threes, I think it's a different three predators. These guys wouldn't know to look for Larry.
0: Oh, right. Thank yeah. You. I
2: kind of I liked his question. reveal. I knew it was coming, but I kind of like the way that he was revealed, that
1: it was a playoff predator, you know, the big mask taking off scene. Adrian Brody even has a similar line they always say. He says fuck or something like that as it's taking off, and it ends up being Larry Fishburne. I kind of knew it was coming because I kept wondering when Larry Fishburne would uh, turn up, but I thought he was introduced well. I liked what he stands for. Like so much of this movie, conceptually it really works.
2: Execution. I was really glad it was Larry Fishburne when the mask came off, because when I saw a predator mask and the predator decloaked and put a gun to somebody's head, I'm like, the predator doesn't hold a gun to your head. The predator <laughs> just kills you. What the? Oh, it's Larry Fishburne. OK. Yeah, it was good. You liked it, right? Yeah, it worked. It, it, it had me confused.
0: Yeah, I liked it a lot. I have a question <laughs> for you both. They find the cages of the other kinds of creatures that they were sent down to this planet with them. And we have that one scene when Lawrence Fishburne gets revealed. Then they send Topher out and Larry Fishburne kills the the other creature. Why don't we see the other creatures at all the entire rest of the movie? And why even put them in there to begin with if we don't get to have a big scene with them in this movie?
1: I totally agree. They needed to say that for the sequel in the sequel they can drop down different creatures and they're they're teaming up with extraterrestrials but here to have this in this movie and to have the them be the aliens with cockroaches that climb out of them it's more inscrutable it's just it
2: just doesn't feel appropriate and there's also another thing there's that falcon the surveillance device i couldn't tell if it was organic or purely mechanical and really the only reason i'm not sitting here going what the fuck was the flying thing is because i read the press materials and they talked about having a predator falcon or i'm still not sure if it was bio or mechanical but that's kind of how it works. I mean, like the dogs and the falconers, they really took the hunting aspect
1: to heart. And I give the writers props for that. They really thought about a hunter the from a hunter's mentality, how they work, how they get game, how they separate animals from the pack. All of that plays out pretty well. I don't know that I love the dogs or the falcon, but I think you needed to introduce new tools. And that's kind of how I saw them. Whether they're biological or mechanical is almost incidental. They're kind of like Bubo.
0: <laughs> I liked <laughs> I, I liked the dogs. I like the dog scene a lot. I thought the Batarang thing was cool. I called it the Batarang. I, I thought it, exactly what that was. I thought it was mechanical. I didn't really realize it was not mechanical. It might
2: have been mechanical. I, I don't know what the hell it was. They needed to just, maybe the effects didn't work out. Maybe they ran out of money. But they needed to show us a scene of what the hell the Falcon was doing. I and-
1: agreed on those last two points. My, my biggest ding against Predators in general is that, boy, they're doing everything they can to remind you of the original predator but it doesn't have that look it doesn't have that vibrancy that
2: direction that energy that that first movie did this movie looks cheap it does the fire when the russian guy blows himself up and kills the first uber predator that Mm -hmm. was the worst fake fire i've seen since 1995 independence (laughs) day had better fire it was some bad fake fire
0: let me ask you a question about that while you brought it up these new uber predators not having an explosive nuclear weapon on their wrists because if the Russian guy blew him up, wouldn't he have blown up with a nuclear weapon as well?
2: It might not have been armed. If you blew up a nuclear bomb, there might be radiation, but there wouldn't be a nuclear explosion if the bomb's not armed. Yeah, they've already
1: established that these are low-ranging nuclear, if they're even nuclear explosions. They're just big fireworks, is all it is. It's bigger than a grenade and smaller than an A-bomb.
2: I do love the scene in this movie where you think Adrian Brody's stolen the ship, and the Predator starts fucking with his arm. And I'm like, is the Predator committing suicide? I don't get it. And then the ship blows up. It was like the ultimate security device.
1: I didn't understand why it was flying away, but again, the movie that shall not be mentioned had ships that were flying on their own as well. So,
2: <laughs> like I think the thing. first Predator did it. I don't know if it was as a distraction or maybe he thought Brody would get on it, yeah. and Brody, at the last moment, decided, oh, I must go back for Topher. The one thing about having an Uber Predator, though, is it allows for the end mask reveal, right? We finally get to see the new Predator's face. Was anybody disappointed that we didn't get so, like, you really are one ugly motherfucker. So, you know, every movie has the ugly motherfucker line. I, I, w- I would have liked that. Well, they kind of did that when he looked at Larry Fishburne. Like, that was, the, <laughs> that, was that
1: moment. No, I, I'm not. that's not a joke. I'm saying he had a line similar to, he's like, what the fuck are you, or something like that, right before Larry Fishburne takes the mask off. They <laughs> did the fuck line. But I was I disappointed in the Uber Predator? I just didn't understand it. it. This movie didn't up its game. You know what I mean? Like it gave us everything we've seen before in a competent way and there's some new little toys or something like that, but it didn't really push the series in any new way. Like I didn't feel like knowing that there were these infighting between the predators helps me understand Predator any better. We're still what, 5 movies in and I don't think I know much more about the Predator why it hunts anything about its M.O. than I did from the first movie.
2: You know, I'm kind of glad about that. I don't need to know too much. I kind of like them. As a bit of a cipher, and so we don't have to deal with too much of it. But you say we've seen it all before. I was surprised, just desperately surprised, how much of this movie did take straight from the original. There's even a scene where all these people jump off a cliff into a waterfall, just like Arnold did. I agree. Yeah,
1: I groaned at that. I'm like, you can do a lot. Like, just setting it in the jungle is good. Like, that reminds us falling into the waterfall was annoying.
0: I liked the camera work on that though. I thought it was filmed well. I actually liked the sound too when they fell into the water. There were
2: several scenes that I thought were well filmed. I liked that one. I liked the scene where the camera does like 720 degrees around Isabel and Brody. You know, I felt like the director was trying. I just don't feel like he was very good. Maybe it was the director of photography. One of the two, they were really trying to stretch their boundaries and become better. And maybe someday they'll actually be great. But right now, they were fine.
0: I thought there's a lot of good chem work in this. I completely agree with you. I think there were some moments of greatness. And then other times, I was scratching my head. There was one shot in the beginning of the movie when they're all walking before the reveal of the planet where they had that weird tree. And all of them are walking almost in silhouette in a long line. I loved that shot. I loved the reveal of the planets. I loved how it was a swooping shot. So there was some great camera work going on in this, but nothing compared to the original Predator. But it's nice to have something back like that because we haven't had that in three films.
2: And also, you know, talk about things they've taken from the other movies. Wow, Silvestri wasn't available for this film, so they just stole his score. (laughs) Oh, God. Yes. It's note for note, the Silvestri score. And I'm like, it it almost seemed out of place. I would have preferred a modernization and to the point where did you guys stay for the credits? Because I always wonder if there's an after credit scene. So I stay for the credits. They play long, tall Sally, which is straight out of the first film.
0: Mm. I didn't mind the music at all I was really happy they brought the Predator music back Because it's kind of like, it's a Predator movie I want to hear the Predator theme That's Yeah,
1: but they didn't play the theme theme. It was like, kind of the theme
2: But not quite (laughs) And maybe that's my review of the whole movie It's kind of Predator, but not really I do the credits for now playing I have to listen to all of these scores As miserable as they are So I had to sit for two hours of listening To Sylvester's bum bum, bum, boom, 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 (laughs) boom There's no real theme here. There's no, you know, hero strains that you can grab and merge into your new score. So they just took the... Thumping beats and use them again, and it was verbatim. It wasn't harkening back the way Williams in later Star Wars movies would harken back to previous themes. No, this was we might as well just have used a Predator CD as our score. Why did we hire a composer?
1: I disagree. There's that. Da, ba, ba, ba. There's definitely a, a Predator theme. You could play it on the piano. Like, I, it's not just percussion. And it was but irritating to me that they weren't doing it. That was what I kept saying. I was like, I just, why don't you just go ahead and do it? Why are you dancing around it? Why don't you just get the original score? So much of this is, yeah, uh, an all-out grab from the original. Why not just do that one? Like, uh, is Silvestri dead? Is that why? No, he just wasn't available. And they just couldn't afford him, probably. More than likely, they spent that money on the really bad smoke effects. <laughs> I don't think I don't think there was much money spent here. I feel like it was always set up to be a B movie, and that Rodriguez does well with low budgets. I mean, his claim to fame is making a movie for eight thousand dollars. So I think that you know he
2: produced a, a thrifty movie, and they remade Predator only cheaper. You know, you said Rodriguez is annoying for making things really inexpensively. First of all, I'm I'm for that, just for from a business standpoint, the fact that certain movies make 1.8 billion dollars and aren't profitable is stupid but beyond that this has rodriguez's name plastered all over it and i've been wondering going in how much of rodriguez's trademark movie making style would be in this film the answer is none if robert rodriguez hadn't done all the promotional materials and had his name everywhere on the posters and things I wouldn't associate this with Rodriguez because Rodriguez always has a kind of wit to his dialogue and a kind of kinetic energy that this movie really lacked. One of the things that got me really excited was seeing some of the energetic action from, say, Desperado or even, for Christ's sake, the faculty Or from dusk till dawn, one of my favorites in a predator scenario. It had none of that. And that was, that was kind of disappointing. I totally disagree with you, Arnie.
1: They definitely, this is all Rodriguez. The apocalypse now illusions was him. I've always felt like he was second rate Tarantino. The illusions that he makes, the kill bill style of the way he's assembled different kind of genre bad guys in in one movie, the fucking sword fight doesn't work. I mean, all of that felt very Rodriguez. His fingerprints are on this heavy. It's not just a name. I've seen Nimrod's original film, and he's sort of a stylish but not very compelling filmmaker. Well, didn't Nimrod
2: do Vacancy, the Luke Wilson evil hotel movie? Yeah. I didn't finish that movie, actually. It was kind of...
1: It was bad. (laughs) I wouldn't call it bad. It was kind of like this. It was just kind of like, hey, I'm bored. I'm going to move on. The difference is that was on my TV and I could turn it off. All I can say is I felt like Rodriguez had the heavier hand here than Nimrod. I feel like him. Nimrod was a hired gun here to do whatever Rodriguez would. And Troublemaker Films is, I mean, it's blazing on the screen. You know he's there. mm -hmm. I don't feel like he's not involved. I'm going to say this because they call it out. And I'm the Alien fan, so I got to call it out. The movie's called Predators with an S, just like the original was called Predator, and, and that's, they're obviously throwing it at Alien, like they know that that's what they're going for, but the jump from Alien to Aliens was enormous. The first Alien was a horror movie, the second movie became something much bigger and more action-oriented. I don't feel like there was a jump here in aspiration, in ambition. If anything, it was a diminishment. And that's the problem is like the sequel didn't get bigger here. It got smaller. If you're going to say that you're alien, you got to step up your game. Don't draw parallels to something and then not
2: come to play. Perhaps it's the writing then. He wrote the original story for this in the 90s. Maybe he wasn't as good of a writer back then. He handed it off to other writers to polish and handed it off to another director. I just feel that I didn't get the kind of Rodriguez fun. I was hoping to from this movie. There wasn't a lot of fun in this movie. It was more rote action, which was again, Find. I, I,
1: I find it strange that you find that there's no fun here. I feel like I think there's a lot of fun here. I just
2: think that I, it's not my kind of fun. It's it's very familiar. I guess I'm not articulating it right. When I say fun, I'm not saying that watching some of this action isn't entertaining. There are surprises here. They've definitely structured this so that you don't know what's going to happen
1: next with certain things. The problem right. is, there's a, even some of the surprises are easy to foresee. The Topher Grace thing, for example. And, and, the, and the stuff that that you don't anticipate happening isn't necessarily thrilling. But I wouldn't say they're not trying and I wouldn't say that it's not well-constructed. It's not particularly well-written, but it is well-constructed.
0: Well, you said for this a few times already, and I think you're dead on about it, Stuart, is that the execution of some of this is not the best, but the setup mm-hmm. for it is all there. While I agree with you on that, I had a better time with this movie than, than the two of you did. And I think part of it may be because I don't have any of that expectation about Rodriguez. I don't have that wonderful uh, warm feeling inside for the first predator movie that we talked about in the first podcast of the series that even though i like the movie it's not one of my classics would you call anything here great i like the dog scene a lot i liked like for example the dog scene when they kill that first dog and it blew up another dog jumped right through his blood right at the screen there were th- that, that scene in particular i enjoyed a lot the first big action scene in the movie i really like that so there you go there's a good example of something that did really well Okay. It reminded you know, and that's and that's a good action scene. And then afterwards, when Brody explains why they did it, I was like, exactly. And and so the movie is smart in that way that even though it does spell it out for those people in the audience who aren't following along, like the much like the first Predator movie, there are a lot of smart things going on here, and no one's an absolute idiot, which is great.
1: I agree. I I like that about that movie, and I do think it's what helps it tremendously to elevate above the other Predator movies.
0: This is a sequel to the first Predator movie, as far as I'm concerned. Even though they allude to other things here and there, as you guys pointed out, they do not really taking into account the EVP movies, and Predator 2 is, in my opinion, thrown out the window. They went back to the source and said, we're going to make a sequel, and that's what I wanted the entire time in this series, and they gave that, for the most part, here. And why couldn't we get a great great movie well it's a sequel and they're following some by the numbers stuff but overall it's leaps and bounds over a lot of stuff that we've already seen in this series
2: i don't think we're that far off brought i really don't and i i think i'm in the same boat too i don't think that you liked it that much more than i did i wanted to love it and i couldn't love it
1: but i liked it if they always went to earth to hunt why did they bring them to a planet that almost looks like earth to hunt them
2: Perhaps these are the rich Predators who <laughs> and, you know, the other Predators have to have it imported and they can't really go far from home. But the really rich ones get their own spaceships and go to Earth and get to travel abroad.
0: Gas prices oh, uh, are so expensive nowadays to to, to the you know, hotel and lodging. And then there's food involved and the souvenirs. Maybe it's the Predators version of the holodeck. What would happen if we took some humans <laughs> and some of
2: these Antari and we tried to hunt them both at the same time?
0: excellent they call out that danny trejo was a trap earlier in the movie but then the predator falls for the exact same trap at the end of the movie predator doesn't
2: think the humans are that smart we're just the game
0: i was wondering though since they had the guy slice the predator in his chest. Why Adrian Brody later in the movie didn't think of that himself because he kept on hitting him in the face where the helmet was, but his chest was completely available. He was doing the video game. You ever play video games like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game? You have to hit the guy once and jump away from the big boss at the end of the level. That's what Brody was doing is taking one strike at a time. Why not hit him in the legs? Hit him in the chest. He kept on hitting him in the head. And I was thinking, well,
1: it wasn't a sharp object though, Brock. It wasn't a sword. It was like a stick, right?
0: It was a, I thought it was an axe or something or, a, or a club. And you could still do some pretty good damage in a, in a chest area. If you can't breathe, you can't stand. a boxers tell you hit in the midsection, right? So hit him in the midsection, hit him in the knees or something. Why do you keep hitting him in the face with his helmet on? The other guy did it right with a sword. He got him in the chest. And that's it's, the only it's a
1: little disappointing that the uh, the best they could figure to do to kill the bad guy was cut his head off. When that's exactly what the bad guy did to the other Predator just about 10 minutes prior. It's like, really? I mean, you always want bigger. And unfortunately, maybe there they, they just was no bigger. But you wanted Brody's big moment to be more than him just wailing on him with
2: a stick. I did. And especially since the Predator was already injured at this point because of the trap. I I would have liked to see something different, but they'd already blown one up and beheaded the other. They they took the good kills early. What did you guys think, speaking of the Predator mask, about the different Predator masks so we could tell them apart? One had tusks and one had the jaw. I like that. I was was grateful. I was grateful because I would have been very
1: confused. And part of my problem with the series that won't be mentioned was that I couldn't tell.
0: I agree completely. It's like Stripe and Gremlins. You know who the baddie is.
1: Yeah. No, it's helpful for the antlers, for the little jaws and all of that. It's, you, you get the sense that they have individual personalities. I couldn't really tell until they were fighting side by side that there was a difference between the big guy and the little guy, though. And that's, that's just a sticking point for me with this film is like, we know this only because Larry Fishburne tells us this, but I didn't really understand what their beef was or that this would have been a big deal.
2: They're racist. Yeah. That's what it is. They're a racist society and, One of the other race came along, so they strung him up in a tree or totem pole. Okay. I guess I needed a little more of that. I, I like that as an idea, but conceptually it works.
1: In execution, not so much.
0: So, Stuart, Arnie, do you recommend Predators? Stuart.
1: You know, it's like this. If you think Predator is a great movie you will probably enjoy this movie and like it. And I recommend it for people that can't get enough of Predator. You can go with this one. The other movies, I wouldn't touch with anything. But this is an acceptable follow-up. But for me, Predator was never the meal. It was the dessert. I had my fill. That was the end. I didn't really need any more. And this movie doesn't give me anything else. There's nothing here that it does better than Predator. So unless you just really need more, like if your appetite can't be sated, go with it. But I was done. The Predator is a very solid action movie. They did a great job and I just can't, they still haven't given me a reason to keep going. So I feel like I would recommend it for others, but not myself.
0: So that's a recommend then?
1: Uh, the weakest that I can think of, but okay, sure. Uh, it, let's think about where we came from. Fuck. Let's think about those last three movies. <laughs> it's a fucking genius. Give it a statue. Yes. It's great. <laughs> it's
2: well lit. It's yeah. Well, yes,
0: exactly. Yeah, so I can yeah uh, see it
1: by the standards by which we have followed as a series. This is a tremendous rebound from where they had fallen.
0: Okay. <laughs> Out of an airplane. Uh, uh, Arnie.
2: Ira Stewart. If you're looking for a predator sequel, this is the predator sequel you're looking for. If you're not looking for a Predator sequel, then you probably can skip this one. I give it a weak recommend because it's an entertaining diversion for as long as it's on the screen. But there's nothing here where you gotta see it.
1: it. We are still talking about Predator 23 years later. We will not be talking about this movie in 23 years or even 23 days. (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah i i do feel like this movie is going to be quickly forgotten and predators 2 or whatever the hell they'll call the next one i just don't see it will be made even more cheaply possibly even straight to dvd and even worse so yeah i had a good time watching the movie i was entertained nothing was so bad about it that it pulled me out like the way the predator pulled out that guy's spine it was fine topher grace is ever amusing and i did like the other guy the death row guy there were some fun lines i think there are a couple quotable lines yeah it's fine i'm not going to be buying it on dvd but if you're at home some night and you're flipping channels and it comes on hbo and you got nothing better to do sure watch it
0: and i'm going to give it a recommendation but a stronger one than you two but not a you have to see this movie i I give it a a solid recommend i think i had a good time with this movie and this is exactly the sequel i wanted everything you just said arnie is absolutely true Been saying it the whole podcast Finally, they gave you a Predator sequel to the Predator original movie. And it's about time. The other stuff, they have this character. I want to see this character do this kind of stuff. That's what I pay the money for. When I see the Predator, I want that. And they gave it to me. I think this is a solid sequel to that first movie. And in the summer action movie realm, if you're looking for summer entertainment, this is it. You have an entertaining hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes of a summer action movie. This is the one. So, yeah, I do recommend it. So if you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoyed our Predator series, please leave a t- feedback for us on iTunes so other people like yourselves can find us. Please go to Facebook and discuss this and other movies that we watch on a weekly basis. We post little mini-reviews there that also go to our Twitter feed. So follow us both on Facebook and Twitter.
2: And, hey, guys, we're going to be at... Comic-Con in just a couple of weeks, a week and a half. We're going to be at the Yard House, right, Stuart? Yes, we are. We're going to be at the Yard House at 7 p.m. having some beers. And we're just wanting to get a handle on how many people are coming. So if you could, please drop us an email at, show at nowplayingpodcast.com or come to our forums or our Facebook page and let us know if you're planning on showing up. We'll be the guys in the Now Playing shirts. They're very cool. You can see them at the Now Playing store. And I'm going to add something that we're going to ask you to do. Please give us money. (laughs)
0: Yes! (laughs) Yes! You can make the check out to Brock. Danny has to eat!
2: (laughs) (laughs) We have been doing this podcast now for a year and a half. And, you know, we we even pay for our own movie tickets. Feed us! (laughs) 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 We're not looking to get rich off this, but we are taking the next step hoping that we can at least cover our website costs and some of our movie ticket costs there's a donate button on our homepage now please you know if you enjoy this podcast and you want to see us continue to do this podcast for years to come you know we're now going to this honor system you know take a newspaper leave a dollar we're not we're not going to be a vending machine where you have to put the dollar in first but come to our website if we've provided you with some enjoyment come and let us know how much in dollars or if you feel like you want to tell others about us we have a now playing store you can buy shirts mouse pads clocks you can buy a little zoom high def camcorder with the now playing art on it it's kind of wow. cool so cool. there's links to that from our homepage page too we'd really appreciate if you support the show
0: let me put it this way folks if every listener we have just put in a dollar we'll be set That's all we're asking for is a little bit just so we can cover our website costs and so we can continue to bring you now playing each and every week for everyone to enjoy and discuss at our forums, on Facebook and Twitter as part of the community. That's all we're saying. So thanks very much in in advance for that. And And I
1: just bought my ticket for Inception next week's movie. It was 18 bucks, folks. (laughs) 18 bucks.
0: 3D IMAX for that. Uh,
1: it's not 3D, but it, it was IMAX,
0: yes. Are you sitting on Leonardo DiCaprio's shoulders as you watch I, it?
1: I'm hoping because at this <laughs> point, well, maybe not, but I, I'm hoping to have a, a close, visceral experience because $18, to me, is out of the realm of a movie at this point. We're talking about not even paying for parking, not even snacks. Can I get a snack? Help me, <laughs> help Stuart get a snack at Inception. <laughs> That's the goal because you
2: know those Raisin Nets are going to be like six bucks. <laughs> Help Stuart E. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And also, so listeners know what to add to their Netflix queue. We're doing Inception next week, which you can't add yes! to your Netflix queue. You've got to go to theaters to see that one. And then after that, you know, we were going to do a Philip K. Dick series. And then and then we... they had to adjust the adjustment bureau. <laughs> it's moved out to March. And so after Inception, we're going to be fighting the future and finding out if the truth is out there with the x-files
0: and just to clarify it's it's a regular now playing full hour episode not the 10 minute one that we already have on the feed it's a brand new episode uh that goes deeper into both movies not just the one that we reviewed a couple of years
2: ago right we're gonna be looking at fight the future and i want to believe and then after that scott pilgrim i know a lot of people are excited about that and then after that cry little sister as we review the lost boys Oh, my God. Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> well, who needs Philip K. Dick when we can get more Corey and Corey?
2: We got Corey <laughs>
0: Feldman in action. Finally, it's now playing, folks. We got the Corys coming here. It's about time. Yeah. After that, we'll do a dream a little dream. Uh, anyway, so. <laughs> I, I'd be up for that. And you can do it yourself. <laughs> All right. So we'll reconvene next week when some of us will be talking about Inception. Until then, thanks for downloading, and we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode in the Predator Retrospective Series. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus, just like me. Please come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week from now through July 10th to get a new episode of this series. Come on in, you fuckers. Come on in. Also at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can download our podcasts where we cover such movie series as Terminator, Star Trek, Back to the Future, Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and more. This is getting better than a minute. Now playing is not affiliated with 20th Century Fox. Alien and Predator are copyright and trademarked 20th Century Fox, all rights reserved. And no infringement is intended.
1: I don't think he gives a shit.
0: Now playing is a production of Enganza Media Incorporated, copyright 2010, all rights reserved. I ain't got time to believe. The now-playing Predator Retrospective series is edited by Arnie and Jay. I wouldn't wish that on a broke dick dog. (laughs) I just want to ask your opinion of this. That 20th Century Fox new logo. No, seriously. (laughs) The...
2: <laughs> I don't like the 75, and I'm always disappointed when they do the extended fanfare and it's
0: not Star it's Wars. Not, I know, I agree with you every single time. I want to say Lucasfilm. Anyway, yes, it takes out a Colorado town, right? Doesn't it? So I mean, we're not
2: talking about that. I don't even Hold remember. On. No, <laughs> no, the uh, U.S. Army drops a nuke. That wasn't a oh, Predator yes. arm
0: nuke. Oh, that's right. You that know was- what? I, I forgot, Arnie, because that's a really shitty movie. <laughs> it's
2: been like three. La, weeks. la 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 <laughs> la. All right, there you go. But-
1: there you go. So I feel like I would recommend it for others, but not myself.
0: That's what we do here, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs>